And we're on episode 12 now of Friday Night Counter-Attack. And once again, like four of us are out with, with the Rona. Everyone's got COVID. So it's just me, Salim, and a very special guest today who I didn't think would ever be on the podcast or ever listen to one of my podcasts. So uh, I'd like to introduce everyone to my brother, Azar. So Azar, how are we doing today? I should call you Azar for respect. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you for coming on at such short notice as well. And it's nice to see you again. And we had a little family chat, but again, we're not in physical contact with one another. So it's not the same, really. How's your week been? Uh, good. I, uh, I think um, everyone's the same. We asked everyone at work how your weekend was been. And it's a standard answer of we went for a walk, we watched Netflix and we got bored. So yeah, everyone's doing the pleasantries of asking how, how you're doing. But um, needs must, I guess, at the moment. How about you? Yeah, doing good. I don't really like watching Netflix, so I just spent the whole weekend watching the FA Cup. I ended up subscribing to uh, BBC Sport through uh, my wife's EE account. So I thought, you know what, five extra quid on her tariff won't be the worst of things, and it's quite fun to watch. <laughs> Salem, how you been? You been okay? No, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, just a usual weekend, really. I mean, just Netflix and football, like you said, now you go for a walk and there's not much else we can do. Just FA Cup. One of the annoying things for me is like in our flat where I'm living at the moment, there's a little wall that I just wanted to kick a football against and I got told off for even doing that. Just like playing one touch, two touch against the wall. And I'm like, you can't even do much in your own flat. So you just cooped up in your own room, which isn't great at all. Um, but yeah. Is that because you kept missing the wall and hitting the window? Why are you telling everyone about this? Yes, probably why. I was probably disturbing the neighbours about it. But yeah, because I was just messing up. I couldn't hit a barn door basically. If you came to five-a-side, we haven't played football in years, actually, you and I, but if you came to one of our five-a-side games, I think you'd see how not great of a finisher I am, really. I've never have been, really. You should have brought him to FNF. He can come soon when there's a spare player needed to FNF. To say, if, if, if I'm lucky enough to get an invite, then I will be sure to, I'll be sure to take it up. That'll be fun. Nah, so, so today we've got quite a few things just to talk about on the mental health side of of things because we've kind of just veered away from that on our last few episodes and Salim had something specific he wanted to talk about so I'll let Salim take it away so Salim by all means what have we got in store? Yeah no I just thought I'd start I mean it's sort of a two-part thing so first we've got Josip Ilicic who um who's going to retire at the end of last season due to sort of mental illness and sort yep. of depression and um yeah it was just remarkable to see him back and um, amongst the goals for Atlanta this weekend. So Josip Ilicic was someone who he had coronavirus as well, didn't he? And it was just one of the things that he wasn't really happy with where his body was at. So that's why he was feeling all depressed. Did I read that correctly somewhere? I think it was that, or I think it's something like his wife, uh, sort of, I think she cheated on him or something. I don't know, you'll have to check the story to make sure. Oh. I don't want to get end up with some sort of dodgy quote. But yeah, something quite like that happened. It'll be something like that, but it's horrible to see that we've got so many, like Andre Scherler was someone who retired recently because of, uh, depression and anxiety issues that he had and he was someone at 31 32 years old he probably still could have done a job for someone uh, in the Bundesliga in the Premier League maybe and he's a World Cup winner as well so it goes to show that it can happen with everyone yeah it's like when we were saying the sort of like abuse that some footballers get people forget that they're humans at the end of the day and like it's not nice to read stuff like that or you know for footballers like parents or kids to be reading you know, like bad comments like abuse like there's criticism and then there's abuse but a lot of people don't recognise the line that there is you can say so much and get away with it and the player still sees it which is awful yeah like to be honest linked in with that is like we're obviously in our third lockdown now i mean the first one 
I just remember being in the first one thinking when's football back and obviously it came back in the end and now they've taken it away from us again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's for like a lot of people, including myself, it's quite refreshing just that one hour on the pitch, maybe a couple of days a week as well. Like you just forget about all your problems and the fact that, you know, they've taken that away. It's, it is hard for us because we're like stuck. We can go for a run, but it's, it'll never be the same as, you know, kicking a ball about with your mates. And um, I think the one thing we've probably got left is the Premier League still on. But if they were to cancel that, it'd be really tough for a lot of people. And especially with the FA Cup that just came around as well. I know we've veered off from the Premier League, but seeing so many of those non-league players and so so, so many of those teams going to the highest of highs, beating Leeds United and Arif, who's not on this podcast at the moment. So as I was just letting you know, Arif is the, one of the guys who loves Marcelo Bielsa he's, and their way of football. To- He's actually Bielsa's nephew, nephew and he, lo- yeah. he loves the way he speaks in, like, through his translator, basically. But yeah, it's just one of those things that when you see Crawley taking on Leeds United and you see Chorley beating Derby County as well, it's fantastic to see that these people are like plumbers and they're bin men and they've gone through such heartache that in because their, their level isn't even considered elite level of football, that they've only yeah. had to come back out to play for the FA Cup is crazy to see. So they've literally given their everything and they've succeeded and it's doing fantastic for their clubs and for themselves and for their mental ability as well, which is great to see. And there were so many shots in the FA Cup this weekend as well. Salim, do you want to talk to us about the board that you had, that London board? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, I forgot about that then. Yes, there's an Instagram page. It's called All on the Board. It's um, So it was two guys that used to sort of wear, they work for TFL and they used to wear like a mask and they used to go to every station needs to write like a sort of inspirational message on like information boards at each tube station and now they've just recently re- released the book they're really positive the stuff they post on social media as well every day it's quite refreshing it's quite good to read like um you, you probably see me like well Hamza will probably see me um posting on my story from time to time the stuff that they post and yeah it's just quite good I mean it's quite heartwarming and especially when I go around London as well to different stations, I see these boards as well and I take photos of them. Do you, do you see that, Azubay, when you go to... Yeah, I was going to say, when, when, when so when I commute into London, obviously sort of pre, pre-COVID, then, then you do see them. And uh, I've, I've got the same page on Instagram, but they're, they are yeah, good, yeah, really good. Cool. And you see a lot of people sort of stopping midway to, to take a picture of them, but it's a good way to, to start your commute. And I echo that sentiment. And there's things like the commute that you miss from your day-to-day life as well, because you get your own personal time going to work and going from work and instead of just being cooped up in your home and some people like being at home but most people are just missing that uh that diversity of their like not always talking to their wives or their partners or their pets at home so it's just nice to be able to bring you into this conversation now as a point that's what i just wanted to like do you not like being locked in with your wife and spending all your time with her is that is, is that what you're saying why are you saying it like this? No, I don't like it because my wife's at work for five days of the week and I'm at home twiddling my thumbs playing playstation or editing this podcast so it's it's not the best uh, thing yeah, I'm, I, I'm 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 with you on that i said it earlier um to, to some friends that I, I do miss my commute so when i used to go to work this about two to two or three days a week um and my commute is sort of pretty hefty but i miss that sort of routine and being able to read my book and then uh, some music and just that sort of routine and having like a good drum beat to, to life and, and seeing seeing other people because as lovely as it is sort of spending time at home, I think some time apart, you then do appreciate each other's time a lot more as well. So, so no, I'm, I'm with you on that. 
Yeah, I mean, I just put something in there. Like, the thing is, obviously, I work from home now. I've not sort of gone into work since like last February. So it's going to be almost a year for me since I entered an office or a oh, wow. client site. Yeah, but the, the part about the commuting, so like I save, like sometimes I can save up to two hours a day, one hour each way, but I kind of like miss that commute because it just becomes part of your routine, you know, just getting up and like, you know, when you shower in the morning and get dressed and then, you know, you, whatever journey you've got ahead of you and you get to catch up with sort of news and stuff as well on the way if you listen to the radio or if you when you just start waking up, like literally I just wake up and then just walk downstairs and that's it. <laughs> that's my commute done. Even that I struggle to do some days. The easiest commute you'll ever do. Couple of stairs, yeah, and then tell my mum to make breakfast. Oh god. <laughs> That's the mum commute. makes you breakfast. No, no, I'm messing. Miss it when you have to go back to work. And again, I was about I just wanted to speak to you about how you're spending your Sunday evening. So for those of well, everyone who doesn't know, um, you're a Samaritan. So you actually help out with the Samaritans on weekends. So if you can just tell us a bit about that and how you found that difference from before lockdown to after lockdown. Yeah, so um, Samaritans are uh, a charity for, for those of you that don't know that help people with um, mental health issues. So I've been uh, volunteering with them for probably about two, two, two and a half years now. So um, before sort of Samaritans and, and, and now they've picked it up again, I used to do a fair amount of volunteering work with um, university and, and sort of sixth form students. So it's just helping them to say, right, you're doing this in your school life. What can... Um, I help or support you with to then really transition in, into the world of work because when, when I was at school um, specifically and especially in a lot of the um, BEM communities you don't tend to have a lot of people who can help you transition from the world of sort of secondary school, university then, then into corporate life. Um, so I, I wanted to try to do sort of um, something that gave me the same sort of level of, of fulfillment. So I, I heard about the Samaritans and what, what they do is that they're mainly a phone charity, so they're a free uh, phone line. You're, you've probably seen them around without knowing them. So if you're at a train station or if you're by a, a motorway, um, then you might sometimes see like a green card or, or a green placard. Um, and it will usually have a message on there saying like, you're not alone or you can call this number. Um, and then if you call them, you then get through to someone anonymous. You don't have to say your name, don't have to say where you are. And you can just speak to them. So the the calls that we get can uh, vary, and they can be from people across across all walks of life. So we have uh, people who, um, who who might just want someone to talk to, so people who might be quite old and haven't spoken to anyone for um, uh, quite a few days, even weeks. So they might be quite lonely. Um, some people who might uh, be suffering um, with depression. Someone who, who might have passed away. Um, to prisoners, to prisoners who call us um that that's 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 been quite eye-opening listening to, to some of their stories um could just be sort of normal run-of-the-mill people so we've had sort of fathers mums sort of sisters who can call and, and, and say that they're um just finding things tough and, and they're struggling and then you have people who um might be on, on the brink of suicide or, or, or thinking about it and often they call us to um just speak about how they're how they're feeling um, and then it's our job not necessarily to sort of convince them not to, but just to be, be in there for them, because often what you can find is that just speaking about your problems, which as, as you guys are doing, having that outlet and being able to speak to someone um, can often make quite, quite a bit of a difference. Um, so, so we do that. And I think more sort of poignantly to, to your question, how we found that sort of pre and post COVID is 
um, calls have obviously gone up. Um, and I think the number of people who, who are calling us um, uh, ha has probably been a bit a bit more specific to um, loneliness uh, is, is one in particular because you're not able to sort of see people. So a lot of people are, are isolated. And that could be anyone. It could be anyone who might live alone in a nice flat in London, to people who miss their grandchildren, to people who miss their sort of husband or wife because because they need to isolate. I think I had a shift uh, yesterday, actually, and one of the women who I, who I was on um, shift with, she had a call from a um, nurse who worked in ICU, and she was on, on the phone to her for the best part of um, 40 minutes, and she was just absolutely broken. She'd been on shift for sort of six days out of seven weeks and um, oh, wow. at home to, to support her which was probably a good thing for her because she if she did have someone at home she just end up taking out all of her sort of sadness and, and aggression on, on that person um physically exhausted but i think mentally as well and they didn't have that support network at um at work so when she finished her shift she wasn't able to to speak to anyone and she was just sort of mentally and physically just completely exhausted and, and spent so sometimes just speaking to someone for it could be a few minutes it could be up to sort of half an hour 45 minutes or even longer can can make um, a fair bit of difference for some people that's extraordinary to hear the fact that people are calling in and it can be anyone it's not just because this is what I've tried to get across with, with this message that I've been trying the last 12 episodes, that it can be anyone. And it probably has been a lot of people that have been affected, but a lot of people, especially from our generation and from our background. So like the Asian, the young Asian background that we're in, a lot of people are too proud to actually open up. They feel like it's a weakness to open up in terms of speaking to someone new or looking to find another outlet because their parents and their grandparents have always seen it as a weakness and they've told um, their kids that it's the weakness as well to open up so like personally you don't have to divulge into much detail but have you had a lot of younger callers calling in over the last few months or so um over the last few i, I think we have that there probably aren't as many that i can um speak about um so i i, I wouldn't want to sort of guess i think the ones that i we've had quite a, a few of is um uh prisoners because yes they, they might have faulted and, and, and they're probably in jail for a reason, but they've gone from having some form of like interaction with their other sort of cellmates, roommates and having visitors to now only having one hour outside their cell um, and not seeing any visitors. If, if you think about that, it's um, a whole new level of, of isolation for them. So that has a, a huge sort of mental barrier for them. I, I think the point that you make around sort of young Asians, I think especially around sort of our background and, and sort of minority is, is, is very true and, and poignant. I don't think there are enough people out there who are sort of doing the work that, that you're doing to, to give them that outlet. Um, we've had quite a few sort of parents who have called worried about their children in terms of what they're doing and, and how to help them. Um, but ultimately, we're not there to provide sort of solutions or advice for them. We're just there to help them to figure out what it is that, that they need to get to. There's, there's a really good saying that we use that um, you won't be able to take the weight off their back, but you will be able to take the weight off their back whilst they're climbing up that mountain. And then you just give it back to them once, once, once they get to the top, um, because we won't be able to solve everyone's problems. It's, it's not what we're there for, but we, we can be there to, to help them for a short amount of time. And especially with people not being able to play their sports or even go to training in their sports as well. And I've got loads of friends outside of um, the footballing community. So like players that play cricket or rugby or athletics and boxing. And like I used to go to boxing a lot, you would know. 
that we'd able to be able to have that two, three days of an outlet to go and train and exercise. But because of an extra lockdown that's happened now, you just can't get that exercise in. If Especially if you're not from, like, if you're not self, self-sufficient self in a way, so you don't have your own boxing gloves and pads, you have to rely on the local community store, the local boxing gym to be able to provide that. Or if you don't always go to play football by yourself, like you're not always going to go find like a goal in a park or something like that. It's just one of those uh, things that missing the exercise. In a way. Even for me, during, during sort of the first lockdown, one of the things that I, I always tried to do in the evenings was either go for a bike ride or, or go for a run. And I still try to do that now, but it's just a bit dread, isn't it? When, when, when the weather's sort of cold outside and it's dark and it's dingy, it's, it's a lot more difficult to, to get out there. Um, but no, yeah, it, it is important, whether it's sort of a sport or whether it's going out with your sort of wife or a walk or just getting some form of exercising can, can make a big difference. If you could suggest three things for our listeners to do if they're struggling with lockdown, but they're unsure about how to get out of that rugged situation, if there's yeah. anything you could advise, what would you, what would you give? Uh, you're not alone. Everyone's struggling. I'm, I'm struggling with it. Like my wife is, you guys are, I think everyone is. So, so don't think that's, that's a weakness, accept it. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. If, if you're not struggling in, in this situation, um, then you're either lying to yourself or there's, there's something really, really sort of strong about you. Um, so accept it because that's, that's okay. It's, it's okay to struggle speak to someone about it. So make sure you're, you're speaking to people, understand that there are people out there who, who will listen. And, and when you speak to them, that it's more than likely they will be sort of feeling or, or thinking the same or similar things. And then the last one is, is, is try to think about the, the positives that, that you've got, because it's, it's very, very easy for us to think about all the negatives. Um, but there are a lot of good things and there are a lot of good people out there. There are people who look out for you, people who care for you. You might um, be on furlough but you're still getting paid you might not have your family around you but you might still have your sort of pa- parents with you you might not be able to see them but they might still have your have your health I had a um, woman call me yesterday I spent sort of 45 minutes speaking to her and she always looked at all the bad things that was wrong with her or what, what she'd like her daughter to um, uh, to improve on but after I asked her for the first time what are all the good things about your daughter? And she then realized all those good things were because of her. It then sort of triggered and changed her mindset. Um, so just have try to have some form of sort of perspective and, and try to look at the, the good things that you have. So it's like, even Salim, yes, you're not able to go out, but your mum's still downstairs. She's still going to make you breakfast. Like my mum lives miles away. I'm not able to see her. So I have to have sort of my rubbish breakfast. So I think it's, it's the small things, but just be, be grateful for them. Um, which is difficult and it won't always help, but sometimes it can and, and it can make a big difference. And then just moving forward, if there was anything you could take from this lockdown, what would it? What would you take in a positive light? Oh, good, good question. What would I take in uh, this one? Um, I think the fact that it, it, it can be done. And I think look at last year was, was a car crash for everyone. If you look at this year, but it, it can be done and it puts things into perspective for you. Like we're not able to see sort of each other or sort of our wider family, I'm not able to see my friends, haven't seen them for, for the best part of the year. It makes you appreciate what you have. Um, and it also strengthens a lot of the ties that you've got. So it's like my marriage has, has become stronger for it. Um, yes, we probably feel like killing each other a lot of the time because we haven't seen anyone else for the best part of the year, but it's, it's become stronger for it. So it, it gives you a sense of, appreciation 
um, and, and gratitude for things that you haven't got are probably things that, that I've taken from it. Probably Fantastic. add to that saying like, so when we went into lockdown last year, like for the first time, it was obviously like alien to everyone. Whereas if they do a lockdown on us now, we're, we've sort of adapted to it. Like we're kind of used to it. You know, we're expecting it all the time pretty much. So I'd say that we're better prepared like mentally as well. Like, you know, the first time it happened and everyone like bought like, I don't know, like a hundred bags of rice or something, for example. And then people are worried about, you know, food and stuff, which obviously a big deal. But I doubt that's ever going to happen again, which is obviously a good thing. People learn their lesson. They save some money in the end, which is fantastic. It's probably one of the more mature conversations should, um, yeah, we've if ever you, had. If you, link, if you link the Samaritans in the, in, in the bio the page or something, yeah, something like that. I was going to because, put the Samaritan's um, number as our title. I thought that'd be a good little... Yeah, that, that'd be good, because I've, I've definitely heard of the Samaritans, but I've not, not used them myself. I've definitely heard of them. Um, I didn't really know what they did. Well, I, I, think that's, I, I think that's that, that's that's the key point, Salim, like, it, especially amongst, like, Asian guys and sort of Asian community, like, I could probably count on, on one hand how many people I know who have called are, are from, like, an, a, a BAME background. And whether that's because of like stigma associated or whether that's because of, of a lack of awareness. Um, but that's that's something that I'm, I'm really keen to try to sort of um, bridge is that, yes, you, you might call someone and find they might not be sort of Muslim or Hindu or, or Sikh yeah. or whatever that they might be, but they're still a human being who can speak, who you can speak to about their problems. So, so that that doesn't really doesn't really matter who the person is. And sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's better if you speak to someone who, who isn't from a background. So, so yeah, by all means, put, put their number in. Moving on to something lighter, or where we go on to this, literally the weekend that we just had as well regarding the FA Cup, because we saw some of the most amazing games in the FA Cup this week in terms of Chorley beating Derby and uh, Crawley beating Leeds United and the fourth and the fifth rounders made and Man United have got Liverpool next as well. But Salim, if you just want to tell us about how Aston Villa played against Liverpool, your beloved Aston Villa, just because obviously Raheel and uh, Arif aren't here to tease you about Aston Villa, so... By all means, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, well, Raheel can't say anything anyway. Well, actually, no, Raheel can't. Well, no, he can't because his team lost to Man City. And Arif can't say much because, obviously, his uncle's team lost anyway. It's quite mad circumstances that I thought the game would have probably been postponed, especially after, like, nine sort of first-teamers had COVID and another five, like, coaching staff. Training ground was closed for, like, a week. And the kids came in and we we held, you know, like the champions of England, we held them for about 60 minutes. We got the goal as well. It was one all. And then, you know, just when you think, oh, maybe, just maybe we could sort of get something from it. You know, uh, Klopp was bringing on players like Thiago and, and that. And then you're just like, oh, no, this is just going to go. And then obviously they got three goals. But even then to think like teams have been beat, like Crystal Palace lost, what, 7-0 to Liverpool? Like a lot of teams have been blown away by Liverpool, and to think our sort of youth team reserves, like even some of like the like some of the reserves that were training with the first team, they couldn't play because of obviously being in that bubble that obviously caught COVID. So we had such a lack of, you know, even some of probably the main reserves, and we still, you know, turned up. We played, showed a lot of character and spirit. You know, we got a bit unlucky, you could say, as they scored three goals in like what six minutes or something. And most Salah kicking the goalkeeper's hands as well, trying to kick the ball out of his hands. That's quite funny. Yeah, Desperate to get that, that goal. Bit, yeah, that, I saw that. But I mean, what a moment for Louis Barry, you know, Villa fan, local lad. Uh, he was at West Brom and then he went to Barcelona yeah. for a season. And then um, apparently the, the Villa Academy convinced him 
to come back and uh, the Barca sort of academy were convincing him to stay and in the end Villa won and they got him I think it cost about a million pounds two million pounds and he's protected for about seven years or something at Villa so I don't think he'd want to leave anyway yeah, it could be your next your next cult hero like Jack Grealish, basically, or John McGinn, just another player just coming through. Oh, John McGinn didn't come through the ranks, but you know what I mean, just another cult hero. Yeah, Aston Villa. I get that. So, uh, just between the two of you, if you had any FA Cup memories over the last 10, 15 years, just so we can lighten this up, and I would say personally, um, with the FA Cup, a lot of people don't find it the same as what we did when we were growing up. So I was just wondering, in terms of FA Cup memories, you, do you still think it's got the same appeal or is it just another cop competition? There's four English competitions. Does the FA Cup still have the same appeal as it always did, basically, once upon a time? I think it does because you've got... Everyone's a lot more competitive, so it's another cup that, that someone can win. You can see how excited Spurs are getting a chance of winning the, the League Cup, um, whereas before it just used to be like one of the big clubs who, who would win it. So I, I think it has... Being a United fan, I, I would say that until we get knocked out by Liverpool in, in the next round. But I, I think I think it has got the appeal for them. People just play their cards, won't they? So if they get knocked out, they say, oh, it doesn't matter, it's only the FA Cup. If they win it, they'll make a huge song and dance about it as they really should. I know you're out of the FA Cup, but did it still have that same yeah, appeal with you know, the whole team playing? Yeah, I mean, something. And if a footballer's career is like, you know, 20 years long or something, or even less, maybe 15 years, that's only like like, you know, 45 to 60 chances to win a trophy. You know, everybody, at the end of the day, they just say, put your medals on the table. But we've been close a few times. We've come to semi-finals and finals and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I still think the Cup's so important. I still think that it does hold some prestige. I think maybe it's gone down a bit with certain clubs, like not sort of prioritising them, like Liverpool did in the League Cup last year, when we beat them 5-0. Obviously, yesterday's was a bit of a different situation, but... I still think I still think there is there is appeal to the cups, especially when you've got like managers like Mourinho and Pep and Klopp that like you know want to win trophies. Like or like none of them can go home empty-handed because it probably cost them cost them the job. So I think it is the big thing. Yeah, hundred percent. It's the fact that we've seen teams like Watford playing their second team against the second team, Man United. That I was like. I was a bit shocked to see that because Watford could easily have taken the win because they only won, they only lost 1-0 to Man United and they had so many chances, leaving Troy Deeney at home, Ben Foster on the bench, things like that, where it could have they could have got better. And for me, after Moscow, I'd probably say that Man United against Crystal Palace was probably one of my most fond memories of watching Man United in a cup final before the Millwall one in 2004. But seeing Jesse Lingard score a last-minute goal in the cup final in extra time was fantastic. And it's something I'll remember because it's a cup final and you get to celebrate that success, really. you, As Man United fans, we've seen us, we've seen us lose on penalties to Arsenal with both of our parents supporting Arsenal, which wasn't the most fun moments. We've lost to Chelsea. Again, wasn't a fun moment losing to Chelsea when Hazard scored that penalty. And it's happened previous times, losing in semi-finals. And it's just one of those things that is separate from the Premier League. And when you, when you go for these competitions, you get to celebrate it more and uh, you get to appreciate it more. And you probably did that as well, Salim, when you went to... Did you go to Wembley? No, I didn't go for the final. I went for the semi-final where we beat Liverpool. That was it. That, that must have when, been... The... So, sorry, yeah, I was going to say that's when, when Grealish had his moment then. That was when he really introduced himself to the world, really, when he beat that, that Liverpool it. team, which was fantastic. If you just want to say your, your favourite FA Cup memory. 
Uh, I remember one. Uh, what what's, what's my favorite FA Cup? Um, memory. I think the the Crystal Palace one is is probably one of the most recent ones. There was one actually which I remember when uh, United played um, Arsenal. Probably not my favorite one, but we were losing. And then I had us drop, went into the garden. Mum and dad then sort of called us back in to say that we scored, turned up, and then Arsenal had scored again. Um, so I think that's that's when Arsenal beat us. It might have been 2 0, 2 0, 2 1. Um, so that's the yeah. one. Yeah. That, was that the one where Giggs missed that open goal? Yeah, I think it was. Oh, God. Uh, I remember that. You know, probably not my favourite one, but probably one that resonates with me. Definitely. It's always the ones that, against Arsenal, that was the biggest ones in our household. But Again, FA Cup memories. One of them for me isn't, isn't even a Man United one. It's when Wigan beat Man City in the final, when they literally oh, yeah. had all of their sick players. And I think that was Mancini's last season as a manager and his last game for Man City as well. And um, Ben Watson scored that last minute header, like 83rd minute in the finals. And how Habsy Caldwell and Emerson Boyce were amazing that game as well. That was a really fun final to watch. It was only 1-0, but it's fantastic to see. For me, obviously, the main one was going to that Liverpool semi-final. Yep. Um, just the whole the whole day itself, uh, traveling down to Wembley, and then obviously you know Wembley's always a buzz with all the fans and stuff. Everyone at Box Park and everything. Yeah, I don't think they had Box Park back then, but there there was like a lot going on and stuff. And then obviously the game itself was amazing. That was my first time at Wembley, never been before, and the game itself was amazing. You know, everyone just stood and sang for the full ninety minutes. We thought we were going to get beat, and you know we played really well and we got the win so for me that's probably the that's probably my best FA Cup memory I'd love to relive that day it's just the magic of the cup really even though everyone would have probably betted on Liverpool to win and go through to the final you beat Liverpool and you got through and it was fantastic and even with us just seeing little teams like Wigan they got relegated that same season they beat Man City but still got relegated and when that when Bradford beat a Jose Mourinho team in the third round of the FA Cup Mm. 4-2 Jose yeah. Mourinho's team beat, won. I think they beat Liverpool that year as well. They probably they could have done. But Bradford beat Chelsea 4-2 at Stamford Bridge and Chelsea ended up winning the League Cup and the league that year as well, which is crazy. Just shows goes to show that you can't take anything for granted in the FA Cup. And maybe Minnows, Man United, may end up beating Liverpool in the fourth round. We'll never know. We'll see how it goes. And I think we'll end it there. But no, thank you very much, everyone, for coming on. Azabeth, thank you for coming on at short notice. And we'll speak soon. Uh, yes, definitely come on again. I, yeah. I, I'll, I'll happily join again. Let me let when um, when you get through your sort of endless list of people who are who are queuing to come, um, because of how good a job you guys are doing, then then I'll happily join. But no, it's it's been great great being on. So thank thank you for having me. Thank you. That was too flattering. Thank you very much for that. Uh, but no, everyone stay safe, and we'll leave that number for you for Samaritans if you are struggling again. We know what it's like. You're men. You may not want to open up. You may not want to talk to people. Um, but if you need to talk to anyone, talk to Samaritans. And thank you very much for your time and enjoy the week ahead.